The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Then graceless, if prayerless, then graceless. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth, the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. Oh, gracious Father, we humbly stand in your holy presence, the holy presence of your glory, as we continue to worship. It is now certainly the time for us to lay our presuppositions of your divine word aside and allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to lead and to feed us. We must not grieve the Spirit with our human doubts, but expect to be impacted. We must allow you, O oh Lord, to set our souls ablaze as we continue in our walk with Christ called sanctification. In his name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Do you have a light? Do you have a light? Now, many of you know that I was off on a ministry trip uh, this last week and a half. At, uh, um, I guess it was two weeks. Um, every semester, I'm a, I'm a part of a ministry to get a doctorate in ministry. And we have a cohort. And a cohort is just a group of, uh, of pastors that gather together every semester. Uh, this is our last semester before we have to write our dissertation. But this last semester, we met in New York City, New York City, uh, for what we call an intensive. Uh, and an intensive is where we get together, we read all these books, write all these papers, and then we have to teach each other what we learned. And then in this particular intensive, we went around to different church plants throughout New York City, in the Bronx, in, in Queens, uh, in Brooklyn, and even in Manhattan. And, and we saw, I, I got to personally uh, take comfort in seeing other church plants like this one getting started. Uh, what I did, there, I learned many things, but one of the things that I learned was the church plant like this one is built one relationship at a time, one relationship at a time through prayer and through evangelism, through y'all, through everyone in this church evangelizing. Um, one of the, that Sunday when we, when we arrived, it was a little wet, a little, but it was a little cool, but it was exciting. We got there and there was about four of us that wanted to go get a cup of coffee. Uh, and we wanted to just go around just looking. And so it was already night though. There were, the, the sun had already set and we went around, we ran around the corner and we went and got a cup of coffee. And we were standing around socializing with each other under a, a, an awning and just kind of looking around, talking about getting caught up. And something very interesting and maybe even rather strange happened while we were doing that. There were a couple of young ladies, maybe in their 30s, mid-30s to late 30s, a couple of them. They, they looked like tourists. They, they were kind of walking around. I noticed them walking around. 
because I'm a cop. I noticed things like that, but I noticed they're walking around. But they walked past us, and then they turned around, and they came back right to us. Now, get this, four pastors, men of God, talking with each other, and they interrupted us, and they said, do you have a light? Do you have a light? So we all kind of looked at each other, and we said, you know, nodding our head in the negative. And we each of us told them, I don't have a light. I don't have a light. Now, their response, their response to our answer was puzzling. They were puzzled. They looked at us like, huh. And as they wandered off into the night, I was a little upset at myself because I didn't say, I didn't answer them the way I wanted to. I didn't say, I don't have a light, but I know the light. See, that was a primer. It's a primer. That's a starter. Uh, Rachel's not here today, and Sylvia, but we kind of been working on evangelism. We kind of been working on get, getting the conversation started, how it leads to the gospel message. That was a primer. They came and asked us, do you have a light? And we all said no. And they wandered off. I was upset at myself because I didn't respond that I didn't have a light, but I know the light. Listen, we, the pastors, especially the pastors there, are called to evangelize. We're, we're called to make disciples. We're called to share Jesus with everybody. And we were caught off guard in a strange city, consumed by doing something different, talking to each other, drinking coffee. But we were here because we're on a mission, a mission. We're on a mission, but especially the, uh, this group. We're on a mission, a commission by Christ himself for the kingdom of God, for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. The Bible in its entirety reveals that God has a mission for this world. God has a mission for this world to reconcile this world, this fallen world, back to him. He, that's his mission. That's his primary mission. And God has created his church, this church, St. Stephen's Chapel, exists. The church exists to fulfill that mission. God has a mission to reconcile, to bring back this fallen world back to him through and only through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the mission. See, sometimes we get it backwards. Sometimes we churches get it backwards. Sometimes churches think, well, that mission is a part of the church. That's backwards. The church is a part of the mission. The church is a part of the mission. The mission is the grand plan. The mission is the redemption mission. And the church is to fulfill that mission. And we were called to do that. And sometimes we get caught up in our lives, in, our, in what's going on in the world. Sometimes churches get caught up in the things 
other things that churches do, but not the primary. The primary is the mission. The mission. Why? Because there are souls at stake. Souls are at stake. And God is using us, you, me, his people, as a means for salvation. That's the mission. That's what we're on. That's the mission of the church. That's the mission of, of God's people. We also, not only do we care about their souls, we care about the body. We cannot separate the body and the soul. Now, on this side of glory, on this side of heaven, our physical bodies will die and go to be with the Lord and eventually be joined by an imperishable body. But here and now, God cares about the soul, the eternal soul. He also cares about the body, the person's body. That's why God hates injustice. That's why we are called to feed the poor. We are called to care for the sick. We are called to protect the innocent babies that are in, in the mother's womb. The injustices. God cares about that. And that's a part of the mission of God. He cares about that. This is a picture of Christian living in the presence and submission of God Almighty. That's the picture, the picture of godly living, the picture of the mission, the picture of the church fulfilling the mission, is a picture of Christian living in the presence and submission of the Lord God Almighty. As we continue our sermon series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Chapter 6, we're go, we're, we've started Chapter 6. Chapter 6 of the uh, Gospel of St. Matthew starts a new section that gives us a picture of what godly living is supposed to be about. It is a picture of how we are to live our lives in a broken and a fallen world. The greatest emphasis of how we should live our lives in this fallen world is to live it in the presence of God, in the holy presence of God. See, you don't just come to church and you check the box and you go back home and you go back into the world and, and you got to put up with the frustrations of, of life at work or whatever and forget about God. You don't do that. Even at work, you're living in the presence of God. Even when we stumble, we're stumbling in the presence of God. That's why we repent. To put it another way, we are living as children in the presence of the Holy Father. That's the journey that we're on. That's the journey that you're on in this thing called life. That's what I, when my brother, I've told you before, my brother, every time I call him, I go, how are you doing? He says, I'm living life. I don't know if he understands what he's saying, but that's what he says. But you, Christian, are to live life in the presence, in the submission of God Almighty. Oh, wow, that's calling for a lot, isn't it? Yeah, but he gives us grace. He feeds us. He guides us. He leads us. He doesn't abandon us. In this journey, this passage, this new section, Jesus tells us where it all begins. 
where it all begins, where it continues, where it will end. He tells it, it all begins with what? Prayer. Prayer. We are to saturate ourselves in prayer. That's the critical issue of our text today, prayer. The big question, okay, here it is. Okay, get ready. Here's the big question for you personally. Okay, are you ready? Are you hearing me? Are you listening to what I'm saying? The big question for you personally today is, do you pray? That's big. You know, Manny, I, I said a prayer the other day to God, and I've been meaning to pray. Today, you know what? Since you brought it up, I'll pray tonight. See, you know, it, it, is, a, it is unusual to think that there are true Christians who don't pray. We don't pray. And, and our Lord is addressing that. Remember what's taking place here. Jesus is preaching a sermon on the mount. Who is he preaching to? He's preaching to his disciples. True believers. Followers. That means he's preaching to us. He's preaching to you and me, to us today. And he's talking about prayer. He is talking about prayer. Prayer. You know, when we think about everything that's going on in this world, when we, when we think about the division that exists in this world, in our, in, our, in our society, how divided our society is, it is so divided. It's not just division. It's hatred. Hatred for one another. There is true hatred for, for the other guy. There, there is evil that sparks mass shootings at, at, on a weekly basis. Even going into, into church schools, Christian schools, to shoot innocent babies and, and innocent people, Christians. This in combination with the highs and lows of your life, of our lives, the highs and lows, the stresses and the frustrations that take place in our personal lives. And all that, the question is, do you pray? You know, thinking about that, you think, I should be saturated in prayer. I mean, how can I face all this without prayer, without communing with God? Do you pray? Return to our text. It's easy to divide this text up into two parts. The first part is how that Jesus is talking about. He's telling us about how not to pray and how to pray. How not to pray and how to pray. Now, this is taken for granted. It is taken for granted that the disciples pray. He doesn't say, now, if you pray. He doesn't say that. He says, when you pray. When you pray. It's not optional for us. It's not optional for his disciples, and they know it. He's going to get into other things, but right now he's bringing it up. He's telling them this is not optional. When you pray, Pray to God. When you pray, you pray to God. Again, it is unfortunate that there are Christians who do not pray for whatever reason. Theologian um, Matthew Henry says it well when he wrote this about prayer. He says, You may as soon find a living man that does not breathe as a living uh, Christian that does not pray. 
if prayerless, then graceless. The grace of God, graceless. If prayerless, then graceless. If you don't pray, how do you expect to have the grace? How do you expect God to, to give you these gifts? How do you expect God to give you his grace? There's no prayer. There's no communion. We are called to pray. There are so many blessings that await you. If only we, you, would pray. It's what James says in James 2, verse, in James 4, verse 2, where he says, You do not have because you do not ask God. Oh, the many blessings that you have left on the table of offerings that God has waiting for you to give you. See, that is a demonstration of God's benevolence. This is a demonstration of God's love for you, for me. God loves us. He's a benevolent God. He wants to share his glory with us. He calls us to come worship so he could share his glory with us. That's why in the beginning of worship today, that's what I said, expect to be impacted because God, the Holy Spirit, is right here. And if you're coming here with reservations about, I don't know, I'm just here just to check off the box, then you're going to leave with your box checked, but you're not going to be blessed. Expect to be blessed. Expect it. How can you not be blessed if you come near to God? Expect blessings when you pray to God, when you ask God for help. There are so many unclaimed blessings that we leave on the table time and time again. This is the reason that our Lord begins our passes by telling us when you pray, not an option, when you pray. Now, we must remember to whom Jesus is speaking. He's speaking to his disciples, Christians, true believers, to us. Not speaking to the world. He's not speaking to the world. See, that begs the question, doesn't it? It begs the question, does God listen to everyone's prayer? Does God listen to everyone's prayer? That's a kind of frightening thought. Sometimes we would react and say, of course he listens. But the answer, according to Scripture, is no. He does not. He finds prayers detestable from, from people that don't believe. First of all, they don't even believe in Jesus. Prayer, we are at enmity with God. In our fallen state of being, we are at enmity with God. We are at war with God. God does not listen to everyone's prayer. That's a... That's a frightening thought. It is only through Jesus Christ that we as Christians have access to the Father. For his ears are open to our prayers. That is a frightening thought. That's why we share Jesus with everyone, with everyone. That's the call. That's the mission. The disciples may pray, we as disciples may pray, because it is Jesus who has told us that we can pray. 
That's what he's telling us. He's telling his disciples, he's telling us that we can pray. He, Jesus, does this because he truly knows who the Father is. Jesus promises us that God will listen to our prayers. So the disciples may pray only because they are in communion, community with Jesus. We can pray because we are in community with Jesus as a part of his church. Jesus says, you can pray. You can pray to the Father. He promises that God will hear your prayers. Hear them. And he, you know what? He answers prayer. And we've talked about this before. He may, and it may not be the answer you want but it's the answer you need. And that's why we trust him. Anyone who is bound to Jesus in discipleship has access to the Father through him. Thus, as theologian uh, Frederick Bruner says, every prayer, every true prayer is a mediated prayer. Is mediated by Jesus. Every true prayer is a mediated prayer by Jesus. What does that mean? Well, it means that, hey, listen, I need a car because my car has been acting up. I sure would like that. I've said it before. This, uh, I don't know what. Corvette. A Corvette. How's that? Brand new Corvette. You know, that's crazy. I'm asking God for that. No. You need transportation. You can pray for that. Expect to be impacted. So now how... How do we pray? How, how do we not pray? That's how we start. So now, our Lord starts off by telling us how not to pray. Jesus says, when you pray, you must not be like a what? A hypocrite. Me, a hypocrite? Me, a hypocrite? You, a hypocrite? No, no. Well, now, Jesus couldn't be talking about us. What's a hypocrite? What does that mean? What, what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite or hypocrisy is pretending to be what one is not or to believe what one does not believe. Like I would say I believe in this and I really don't. But it sounds good. I'll say it. it is, this is a behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe or claims to feel. A behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe or claims to feel. Feel. It is a practice of claiming to have a more have moral standards or beliefs which are in conformity to God Himself. That is a hypocrite. That's a hypocrite. Does that sound like any of us? We are never to say we believe or submit to God's word. If we're living in a manner that is displeasing to him, or we're doing things that are displeasing to him, that would make us a hypocrite. God gives us examples of what he's talking about in verses 5, 7, and 8, 1, uh, 8, uh, 8a. God speaks about hypocrites who stand up to pray in front of others, but they stand up to pray for the sole intention of being heard by others. You don't know anybody like that, do you? Somebody that'll stand up with the soul and pray with the sole intention to be intentions to be heard by others. 
the hypocrite is not praying to God. He is praying so he could be heard by others, so, so everybody can hear how eloquent he or she sounds. How wonderful he can put words and phrases together. That is a hypocrite because prayer, prayer, your prayer, my prayer, our prayer is solely to God. When we, when we pray, we're talking to God. When we do the people's prayer, we're talking to God. We're all listening in on it. And some of us, if you're smart, are adding prayers to that in silence. But we're talking to God. We're talking to God. That's prayer. Prayer is not directed at anybody. We're not trying to, we're, we're not even trying to evangelize when we're praying. Now, evangelism is important, but we're not doing it when we're praying. Now, we can pray for somebody to be saved. That's okay. And we're not preaching a sermon when we're praying. We are in, you know, we are in communion with God in communion with God. He talks about hypocrisy. See, if you're not, if you're truthful, you're going to be very self-aware. You know who you are. You know how filthy you can be. You know the things you've done, things you've thought about doing, the things you may have taken steps to do. You know that. You are self-aware, and God is aware. So talk to him about it. Repent. Ask him to give you grace to stop. Repent and ask him for mercy so that you can walk on the path of righteousness, which he calls you to do. That's prayer. That's how we pray. We're not hypocrites. Those who pray like a hypocrite are self-centered and prideful. According to the passage as we read, their reward, they, have, they will receive their reward. They receive their reward for their prayer from other people and not from God. They won't receive it from God. The next misconception of prayer that Jesus attacks is the false belief that much prayer before God, uh, that it takes much, that it takes a long, that it takes a, a lot of prayer while you're praying so God can listen. That is a misconception that God, that Jesus attacks. Jesus refers to the Gentile pagans, their rule of prayer. The Gentile pagans had a rule of prayer in, in, during Jesus' time. The pagans believed that their pagan gods were reluctant to hear their prayers unless they were long, unless you were like sweating and just spent time maybe repeating and repeating and repeating, and it had to hurt. That's what they believed. And Jesus attacks that notion. He attacks that. They falsely believe that prayer, the prayer petitioner, must prove him or herself sincere by spending a long time in confession and prayer before God so God can listen to them. Jesus says, they heap up empty phrases, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. This false belief is heresy because it, it makes God a, uh, uh, it makes God like he's not a, uh, he's begrudging, begrudging, he's begrudging, he's a begrudging God. 
and it turned the petitioner into a beast of burden. It makes God a taskmaster master to the petitioner who's just a monkey just repeating himself and trying to make long prayers he really needs, needs this. God's a loving God. Yeah, well, he knows what you need even before you ask for it. But we ask for it so we can know that we need that. And we can know that when we're blessed, we know he blessed us. So we, give, we, we serve up these petitions for the prayer. Prayer is an intelligent, it, it's, prayer is not an intelligence briefing. Well, when I was in criminal intelligence, we would make a briefing and we'd talk about everything that we observed. But when we pray, we don't give God an intelligence briefing about what we think and what we observe and how we think it should be fixed. It's not that. It's a conversation with God. An intimate, personal conversation with the Lord himself. Very personal. That's personal prayer. It is not spending a long, long time praying. You know, Paul talks about praying without ceasing. And Martin Luther talks about, and others talk about, not praying long without ceasing. He says short prayers. You continually say short prayers. As you live in your life, you pray here, you pray there, you pray there. You're always in communion with him. And then you stop to spend more time with him at night or in the morning or during the day when you can spend it. But you make the time for him. But you pray without ceasing by continuing, by according to Luther and others, with short prayers, short prayers to God, in communion with God. You're always in communion with God. You're always engaged in self-reflecting as you commune with God. How do we pray? Well, that's going to be what we're going to talk about next time we meet, how Christ talks about how we should pray. But what we need to hear today, what you need to hear today, is that prayer is granted to us by God through Christ in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. By God, through Christ, in the Spirit. We are to be self-aware, not hypocrites. Self-aware Again, is the ability to focus on oneself and not our actions, thoughts, or emotions. We, 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 we focus on ourselves and our brokenness. To be honest, to be truthful with God, he knows you. He knows who you are. You're not going to trick him. But he wants to talk to you. Isn't that wonderful? God, just can't get over the ability. Can you get over the ability that you can talk to God? The Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. Things that are seen and unseen, that you could actually have a conversation with him through Christ. That is incredible stuff. And he's dearly, he's dear to us. He loves us. He wants to hear from you. He wants, he converses with us. He speaks to us through scripture. He answers prayer. That is so wonderful. It is so glorious. I just want to finish up the New York story that I started earlier. We are on a mission for the kingdom of God. We, these four pastors, and we talked about it afterwards, by the way. We had a primer. We had a starter. They could have walked away. We could have said, hey, 
I don't have a my I don't have a light, but I know the light. And they and they could have said, I don't know if I just walked. That's fine. But but you are the primary, you are always willing. But we were too busy drinking coffee and eating a cookie. A New York cookie that were good. Too busy eating a cookie. Isn't that what happens with our lives? You're always too busy for him. Too busy for prayer. Too busy to share Jesus. You got other stuff going on. Doesn't that remind you of the story in Luke 10 of Martha and Mary? You remember? Martha invites Jesus to come to her house, their house, her sister Mary. And when, when Jesus gets there, Mary plants herself right before the Lord and would not move. And Martha is running around getting things ready, fixing things up, probably preparing a meal for the Lord. That is wonderful. That is what she would, that, that, that's a tradition in her time, tradition in our time. When you have a guest, you serve them something to drink, you give them something to eat, you give them a cookie. And Martha was, was doing that and she's frustrated because Mary is sitting not doing nothing. So she, she tells, she asks Jesus, tell her to help me, command her to help me. What does Jesus say to her? Listen to what Christ says, and he says this to us. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What a piece of godly advice that God gave Martha, that God has given you and me, given us. That the better portion is Christ. He is the better portion. If he is in your life, you do not turn him loose. You hold on and walk with him. Let him lead you. Let him direct you. Talk to him in prayer. And share him. That's the mission of God. Let's pray. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.